More bad news for the Biden administration, and even the media can't hide it anymore. The Supreme Court is in a really big hurry today, and the Biden administration may finally be conceding to what we have been saying for the last year and a half. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Happy Friday. Well, it's happy for some people, not really happy for Joe Biden. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's pretty serious bad news. And I, I tell you, this jobs the jobs report came out today, and I gotta tell you, this is going to be really scary for the Biden administration, especially since the elections are coming up, because there's not much more good news that could happen in the next six months before the elections. So the job report, the job numbers came out for December 2021, and they were a huge disappointment. I would say a catastrophic disappointment. I will go this far and say an existential threat disappointment level that these things were, that this report was. Now, I know existential threats and things like that. I mean, we use it for everything. This is a democratic existential threat. They are going to get their butts kicked in 2022, in November. Um, Economists expected that there were going to be 420,000 jobs created in December. And by the way, I hate that term created. The government doesn't create jobs. Businesses create jobs. All right. The only thing the government can do is get in the way and prevent jobs from being created. They don't create anything. But anyway, there were going to be uh, 420,000 hirings in December. There were 199,000 hirings in December. Now, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.9%. Let's not get crazy about that, because Biden, as you'll hear a little later, Biden is basically touting the 3.9% unemployment rate. But this is a really bad report. And I would say this should be panic time for the Biden administration. This was before the this jobs report came after the Omicron variant became an issue in the United States. Economists are saying that Omicron is going to be an issue in January. So expect another disappointing uh, jobs report next month. The report does point out that people who have permanently left the workforce, who have been you know out of work for more than 26 weeks, has actually gone up. That's important. Because the Biden administration doesn't talk about that. That's why unemployment rate is never a great thing. Yes, 3.9% unemployment rate, but you've lost 50, 60,000 people that are not even reporting in that. So, of course, it's going to go down. That's the problem with unemployment rate. There are way too many variables. So, it is a very generalized, uh, it's a very generalized statistic. Your unemployment rate is important depending on how many people are actually working, how many people are in the workforce. There's a bunch of people that are no longer in the workforce. I'm an example of that. 
November and December are also times when employment should increase. They should be the months where you have the most employment because of temporary hiring for the holiday shopping season. And that's going to affect the January report because if there was temporary hiring in November and December, those people are going to be laid off in January. This was an absolute horrid report. And I, 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 November, I said, uh, it's not a great report. We'll just have to see. Then December's report came out. It's just worse. I mean, we had a worse month this month than December, in November. Oh, it, it's a scary report. And we still have something to look forward to. 2022 for the job, for employment, is going to be terrible. 2022, we are looking at March when the Fed, the Fed has finally said they are going to raise interest rates and they wanted to raise interest rates. The predicted was going to be July or August. And the idea with raising interest rates, it's people act, people start laying workers off when you raise the interest rates because suddenly it costs more to get a loan. Now the Fed, because of the uncontrolled inflation, I mean, we're at 6% inflation right now. I spent, I bought a steak yesterday, $12 a pound for a piece of meat that normally sells for $6 a pound. I told Josie yesterday, because I'm on a diet now, because I'm fat, I told Josie yesterday, my God, $12.50 a pound for this piece of meat? That would would have cost me $6 a pound, $7 a pound a year ago? It's insane. Well, this is such a... And now the Fed is talking, okay, to control this inflation... We're probably going to need to raise interest rates in March. They don't know how to control the inflation. All this transitory and inflation is bad and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's going to go away. No, they don't know how to stop it. I mean, if we have an inflation rate of over 5% again next this last month, oh my Lord, prices are going out... They say now a used car, the average price for a used car, I am not kidding you, is $30,000. I heard that on the news today. For a used car, everything's gone insane. It's so insane that even CNN, CNBC, the New York Times, and the Washington Post are stating this was terrible. But President Biden, he, uh, old Joe, he continues to push the everything is awesome narrative. And even his allies are hard pressed to buy this crap. There are people, I can't wait to see Jen Psaki being interviewed. Listen to what Joe Biden said. But this morning, I want to talk about, uh, uh, I think it's a historic day for our economic recovery. Today's national unemployment rate fell below 4% to 3.9%, the sharpest one-year drop in unemployment in United States history. The first time the unemployment rate has been under 4% in the first year of a presidential term in 50 years, 3.9% 
unemployment rate. Years faster than experts said we'd be able to do it. And we have added 6.4 million new jobs since January of last year, in one year. <clears throat> that's one of the most, that's the most jobs in any calendar year by any president in history. Listen, I love the positive thinking, but no. As a matter of fact, um, this wasn't even positive thinking. This was him patting himself on the back for something that is stagnant. As a matter of fact, I hope he didn't dislocate his shoulder from patting himself on the back so much. This was a horrid report. There is no way to spin it. So let's go over what he said. Yes, 6.4 million jobs were filled. I hate that Biden says he created jobs. He didn't create crap. He has never created a job in his entire worthless freaking life. Businesses create jobs. But we are also, we were also forced in an artificial recession because of the China virus where no one worked in 2020. It shouldn't be that 6.4 million jobs is a great statistic. That's not a great statistic. It should have been between 15 and 20 million jobs that were filled over, the, over this year. There are still close to 11 million jobs open because people are not filling them. We are suffering from a supply crisis because no one wants to work. I'll say that again. People aren't going back to work. And stop with the unemployment rate crap. Yes, you're down to 3.9%. Yeah, you've just you probably lost 3, 4 million people from that employment rate because they just decide I'm not going to work, I'll live off the government dime. Which our government has promoted. It's just, unemployment rate is a really bad variable, it really bad uh, measure of, un of the employment issues. Well, here's the problem. CNBC, which is definitely, they're very pro-vax, they're very pro-Biden, they've basically come up with, uh, yeah, no, this isn't working. This, this is not working. And this is why. So even though they don't say it, I'll bring this, I'll, I'll translate what they're saying to you in a few seconds. Listen to what MSNBC said, and this is not good for Biden. We turn to page three of the least household survey. I thought it was very interesting that 3.1 million people reported they've been unable to work because their employer closed or lost business through the pandemic. This is what I'm hearing from a lot of CEOs is that basically, look, uh, we can't staff or we're looking for people or a lot of our customers have gone under. This is what capitalist economists call the Biden effect, a Biden effect. And they, they talked about this like a year ago. So how does this work? It's actually a formula. It's You can make it into a formula. All right. So here's what creates the Biden, Biden effect. High inflation. And we were talking about inflation back in January, February. This wasn't something. When he started canceling all of the regular... We started re-implementing regulation in January, his first day of office... Everyone was like, uh, this is going to cause inflation. 
and it did. So high inflation is high prices. And high prices, the higher a product costs, the less people are going to buy it because they can't afford it. So you have high inflation plus high wages. This is caused by staffing shortages. McDonald's is giving you $15 an hour now. Hey, I got news for you. Flipping burgers, you're not worth $15 an hour. Minimum wage, they wanted to force minimum wage. This is how they did it. So you have high inflation plus high wages plus heavy regulation. That's coming from the mask and vax mandates. That creates employment stagnation. That's exactly what's happening right now. Joe Biden can say, well, I, create, I created 6.4 million jobs. But the reality of the matter is you didn't create anything. The businesses did. And that 6 million jobs should have been 12 million. And we've seen it through the entire year. He's only had, I think it was June and July, maybe August. He had good months where he didn't go over the number of jobs he was supposed to create. He just met the speculation. He's missed speculations on job growth. And what's caused all that? Inflation, heavy regulations. And it's not getting any better. I mean, we're still... The fact of the matter is, our next story, we'll talk about this, but the fact that we have vax mandates, not going to improve employment. Mask mandates, not going to improve employment. And then we've got the big, we can add something to that formula, the Fed raising interest rates next month or in March. This is going to hurt employment and businesses more. Because now when, when bosses or, or, or owners need to go get loans to be able to pay employees or create product or innovate, those loans are going to be more expensive. In other words, if a business wants to survive and it needs to create, it's going to need to get a loan so that they can, a small business, so that they can, actu they can actually go out there and, and pay to create a product. They're going to have to lay off employees to be able to afford those loans. Very common. Now, the here's the thing. The, the government, the Biden administration, didn't want the Fed to raise the uh, interest rates until July, August. Why? Because job losses wouldn't have shown up before the 2022 midterm elections. But right off the bat, they're sitting back and the Fed is saying, we, don't, we can't control inflation. Inflation is at 5.8%. We can't control inflation. I'm paying $12 a pound for my steak. That's inflation. They can't control it. And the Fed says we need to raise interest rates to slow everything down. And that's going to cause more unemployment. 2022 is going to be a horrid year for the Biden administration. Horrid year. Other good news. Um, speaking of regulations, the Biden max mandate, vax mandate is up in front of the Supreme Court today. It's They're talking about it right now as I speak. I listened to some of it today and it sounds promising. Uh, and if you don't know where I stand on vax mandates, I, I don't think we should have vax mandates. I don't. I don't believe in that. I believe in the vaccine. I'm vaxxed. I won't get the uh, 
I won't get the booster because I just don't know if this this damn thing works. But when I got the vaccine and the booster is on the table here, um, it was my choice. It wasn't anybody's choice. It was my choice to get it. I decided to get it and I had my reasons. And it wasn't because I was afraid I was going to die of COVID. So I don't think the government should be forcing us to vax. And that's the whole thing. So let's talk about the Supreme Court. Uh, it's Like I said, it's going on as we speak. Uh, listening to it, it sounds promising. I think they're going to overrule it. Uh, we'll go over it Monday because the Supreme Court said that the decision would probably not come out today. But they are expecting it by tomorrow. So they, they wanted to rush this through. Uh, so far, it sounds like it's going to be a 5-4 ruling. Now, mind you, they're still arguing. I haven't read John Roberts or Stephen Breyer's questions uh, or heard their questions. The tone of the questions usually determines where the judge leans. So Elena Kagan today, I did hear her, and she's definitely for it. She thinks that, oh, this is going to be, the government should have a right to protect society from themselves. So right off the bat, you know where Kagan's going. Sotomayor is a complete freaking moron, so you know where she's going to go. Uh, Breyer, on the other hand, he's not a leftist. He's kind of a liberal kind of progressive, but more liberal than progressive. So he may say no to this. Gorsuch, which I was really worried about because he seems to be the wild card. Gorsuch sounds like he's a no. Vax mandates are bad uh, from his questioning. And it sounded really obvious when Gorsuch, he, that he's not for it. John Roberts is going to be the other wild card. But I think even John Roberts might say, no, we can't really do this. So we're looking at a probably a 6-3 to three against the Vax mandates decision. Possibly a 7-2. to two. Um, I, I'm just not really sure where it's going to go. Uh, so it could go 5-4, 6-3, or 7-2. But I personally think it's it the Vax mandate's going to be overruled. But we'll see. It's still early. Well, the title of this section, and I think I, I'm going to make this the title of the podcast in general, is Better Late Than Never. So, a report was released to the Biden administration stating that Biden needs to change his domestic policy on China on the China virus. In a nutshell, the report is saying that everyone has, it, it, the report says what everyone's been saying for the last year and a half. So the New York Times reported, the authors of this report are all big names in American medicine, several including Dr. Luciana Borio, a former acting chief scientist at the Food and Drug Administration, and Dr. David Michaels, a former head of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, have held high-ranking government positions. The driving force behind the articles by Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, an oncologist and medical ethicist and University of Pennsylvania professor who advised former President Barack Obama. They say the first thing the administration needs to do is take a broader vision by recognizing that COVID-19 is here to stay. In one article, 
Dr. Emanuel and two co-authors, Michael T. Osterholm, an epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota, and Dr. Celine Gowder, an infectious disease expert at New York University, pointedly noted that in July, Mr. Biden proclaimed that we've gained the upper hand against the virus, which in retrospect was clearly not the case. Now, I I do want to point out, notice that who, that who, the people that wanted these vaccine mandates and wanted the the mask mandates are now changing their position. The New York Times, and they used to hide their positions or used to hide the information when it was when it could be hidden. This can't be hidden anymore. The New York Times is openly stating, um, yeah, they're saying that vax mandates, they're saying that killing the virus is not going to happen anymore. And the New York Times has been touting mandates. Their entire opinion page, even to this day, is how we need to force people. They were talking, they were talking about not giving social security payments to people if they didn't get the vax, which is illegal, by the way, especially since you've been paying, we've been paying in social security for years. But now I think a lot of these reporters, they're going to Florida discovering how awesome Florida is because they don't require any mandates of any type. And now they want the same thing in New York. So I got a feeling it's probably a little bit, not the quest for truth, but the desire to have the same thing that a lot of other states are allowing. And by the way, to the New York Times, duh, the virus is never going away. We're going to have to deal with it. This is a tough position to take considering Biden said he was going to get rid of the virus. It's a tough position because the New York Times has busted their butts trying to make sure that they follow the Biden agenda and narrative from day one. I'll even go beyond day one. They were trying to follow this agenda from when Biden was running for president. So, The report stated, this is great, listen to this, to be better prepared for inevitable outbreaks, they suggest that the administration lay out goals and specific benchmarks, including what number of hospitalizations and deaths of the respiratory virus, that's important, that's important, including the coronavirus, that should trigger emergency measures. Okay, that's really important. That's a really telling statement. The authors say the administration needs to acknowledge that Omicron may not mark the end of the pandemic. That's kind of an interesting statement. We'll have to get to that. And to plan for future that they concede is unknowable. They also make clear that the current rate of COVID hospitalizations and deaths is unacceptably high. Okay, first off, in other words... Let's not worry about the number of infections, because that's all anyone's worried about is the number of infections. Let's worry about the hospitalizations and deaths. deaths. Again, duh. If you go to the CDC and you actually look at their statistics for the last few months, yes, the cases have definitely spiked. Hospitalizations and deaths have not. And there's still questions about those hospitalizations. If a kid broke her ankle, 
and she goes to the hospital and then she tests for COVID and it's a positive test, they're marking her as a COVID person. They have admitted that's a thing. So the benchmarks that they say, what number of hospitalizations of deaths from respiratory viruses, including coronaviruses, should trigger emergency measures. In other words, we're not in an emergency situation right now. People are getting this virus. Half of Josie's family has the virus right now. They're not dying. They're not sick. They're not even getting, well, they're sick, but they're not getting, it's colds. They're not getting fevers. They're not having trouble breathing. This is another statement that really bothers me. So what they're saying is, wait until we have an excess amount of deaths and hospitalizations. Then we go into vax mandates and all that other crap. Might be easier to push at that point. Then it says, the authors say that the administration needs to acknowledge that Omicron may not mark the end of the pandemic. And to plan for a future that they concede is unknowable. In other words, Joe Biden is not wasting this this virus. Right now, Biden needs to admit, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. And we should just watch it. Now, it bothers me that they say, acknowledge that Omicron may not mark the end of the pandemic. Um, I think you need to con- you need to combine the benchmarks here. If hospitalizations and deaths are not wildly out of control, you can basically say the pandemic's over. You do you can acknowledge that you don't know what the future is going to be, but here's a little secret: we never know what the future is going to be. We can't stop life because we don't know what the future is going to be. I told Josie because Josie has decided she's not going to get the vax, the booster. She's going to get tested twice a week. And she said that, I I said, you realize she was eating food when she was here. I said, you could choke on, there's more of a chance you could choke on that piece of zucchini you're eating right now than you could die of coronavirus. The Omicron version, especially. Which, by the way, Omicron, 80% less lethal than Delta, 75% more transmissible, and is the they have determined that is the dominant strain right now. So even Delta has gone away. Now, the one thing that bothers me is they also make clear that the current rate of COVID, hospitalizations, and deaths is unacceptably high. Okay. But my question to that is, what do the numbers look like? What qualifies for those numbers? Again, I told you, someone could break their leg, have COVID, and she's hospitalized, and they'll mark it as COVID because they keep giving hospitals money. Omicron is not leading to a large number of deaths or hospitalizations. That's the reality. Joe Biden is beginning to admit this. He's acknowledged it today that there is, and last week he did it. He had acknowledged there's no federal solution to ending the China virus. And today he even admitted, you know what? It We may not be able to, uh, we may have to live with this. He, he said that today. 
I don't even have the sound bite. It was so new. We may have to live with this thing. We don't know. Okay, so pan, uh, as far as I'm concerned, pandemic is over. Let's move on. Let's live our lives. Stop these mandates. And I think that's going to be the real thing about Joe Biden is they don't want to end the mandates. They want to force people to do what the government wants them to do. And I don't think you're going to see, I don't think you're going to see him openly admit the government can't save you. I, I don't believe it. We'll have to see. Of course, if the Supreme Court rules the way I think they're going to rule, the Biden administration is not going to have a chance. Not, not going to have a choice. Okay. So visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I hope you have a great weekend. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.